it's a big question to ask yourself. Mm. And I think what we're all guilty of doing is thinking that it's one static thing in life. Absolutely right. Um, yes, I agree. Your purpose is always evolving. Totally right. And mm. I think if we say to ourselves, like, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I need to do in life. I don't know what mm. my legacy is going to be. I think mm. we put too much pressure on what a purpose is. Izzy Pryor, welcome to the Purpose Led Leadership Podcast. Delighted to have you on the show. We've become friends on LinkedIn and you introduced me properly by our joint VA, which mm, is great. Definitely. Um, really impressed with your growth on LinkedIn. I want to talk about that. But for those that don't know you, I mean, you've got 58,000 followers. Tell us what you do now. Okay, so I am a purpose-led entrepreneur, similar to yourself, Chris. And I started an agency about two and a half years ago. Um, have an employee now and we're expanding as the years go on. We help in the personal branding space, impact-led CEOs to really create their personal brands on LinkedIn and beyond. But also, um, I'm really tapping into my purpose at the moment mm. in speaking engagements and really helping other people to embrace who they are. And that's really important to me. See, that's fascinating. Uh, you know, this is the Purpose of Leadership podcast. Mm. I talk about purpose a hell of a lot, as you just said, but... I think a lot of people undervalue purpose, don't even know what it necessarily is and don't get the importance of it. What's what's your view of purpose? So I had a conversation recently with my brother. He was looking um, in the recruitment space after graduating university and he is very much a money-driven person. We had a conversation over the di dinner table and I realized I am not a money-driven person. Of course, money is the mm. tool to freedom. It's the tool to experiences, to live in life, to uh, you know, finding and meeting your purpose. And yeah. I'll dig into what that means in a second. Mm. But I realized that mine is more meaningful. I'm impact driven. So as the years have gone on and as my business has gone on, I really had to work out and look inside myself and realize what what am I going to achieve? What am mm. I setting out to do? Why do I wake up, wake up in the morning and get out of bed in the morning? Mm -hmm. um, I went to Asia earlier on this year and I really found out what my purpose was. Yeah. Um, quite an interesting story, sitting on a random cliff in the middle of an island in Thailand. Nice. Um, and I think when you ask yourself like purpose, it's a big, it's not, it's a small word. It's a, you know, six letter word, mm. six letters, I think it is. Seven, isn't it? seven, seven letters. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a big question to ask yourself. Mm. And I think what we're all guilty of doing is thinking that it's one static thing in life. Absolutely right. Um, yes, I agree. Your purpose is always evolving. Totally right. And mm. I think if we say to ourselves, like, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I need to do in life. I don't know what, you know, I, mm. what my legacy is going to be. I think we mm. put too much pressure on what a purpose is. And I think, you know, last year, I think I could have said a completely different thing. I wanted to be a successful business owner in my small town. Yes. And that was limited to that. Yes. And this year... I've realized I'm beyond that. I, I want to exceed that. Um, I think it's a very, very perceptive view because having had different goals, objectives and motivations myself, I've, I've been a multimillionaire, I've lost it all, I've been poor, I've mm. been rich, I've been wealthy, I've been all the different things and my purpose has certainly evolved and I think, um, I don't think you ever find yourself where you find your purpose, it, it, but it does make me laugh 
um, when I see people just striving for that next office, next car, mm. number of followers. I want to get to 100,000 followers. I want to do this. But, and and I, I've been guilty of this myself. It's like, when I get this, I'm going to feel this. Mm. And I think purpose is about, yes, having a destination and goals that can change, but I don't think it's ever permanent. You, you, your situation changes, you move and evolve. So as cheesy as it sounds, I think being present and enjoying the journey is much better than hoping the destination is going to be the answer because it never 100%. it never is right 100% and i was exactly the same as you when i hit 10,000 followers i was like right what's next what's mm. the 20,000 followers what's the next uh you know podcast i'm going on what's the next uh who's the next client i'm going to onboard what, mm. what's the next milestone i'm going to meet and i never really sat back and gave myself a pat on the back and went well done um it's only when I came back to my hometown and spoke to friends that I went to college with who went, what are you doing these days? And talk about what you're doing yeah. and speaking to new people. Did I go and reflect on the successes I had? Because yeah. um, perhaps maybe LinkedIn does that to you and the business world does that to you. There's always mm. someone better. There's always someone doing better than you. And compar- what's it called? Comparison Titus. Th- yeah, comparison is yeah. a th- thief of joy isn't it on the linkedin point obviously you've done phenomenally well i want to talk to you and dell i'm sure the audience want to know how you've got to the level you got but i think linkedin and i know linkedin's been absolutely phenomenal for me in terms of business in life connections friends that i've that i've uh, made uh, and without it you know i wouldn't be sitting here talking to you but i also think you can have too much of a good thing as well i've seen some of your posts about screen time and stuff like that i feel that I've certainly been guilty of going down the rabbit hole of posting for posting's sake, being a bit thirsty, looking for the comments and likes. Mm-hmm. And it's only been the last two, three, four months where I've stepped back a little bit. Instead of posting every single day, I'm posting three or four times a day. I'm actually getting... Times a week. Times a week, not times a day. Of course, let's get it right. Um, but I'm getting, I'm actually getting a slightly less engagement, but much more enjoyment, fulfillment and actual... The reason why I'm doing it is actual mm. clients from it as well. So my point is I feel that I feel like if we're not careful, uh, it can be to our detriment. What do you think? Mm, I think, and I think you and I, because we've seen significant growth on LinkedIn, we've definitely surrounded ourselves in a network of people who are on there daily. They're commenting on 50, 100 posts a day. It's a very active network. And I think we have to take a step back and realise there's people who have just posted an article. They've posted, oh, we're hiring. There are Mm. other people on LinkedIn. Mm. And... um, Mm. You know, it's not normal to go viral on a a business platform. None of this is normal to be hitting 50, 70,000 followers um, just because you're a business owner. I think social media has changed a lot. And sometimes we really need to reflect on how interconnected the world is. We've got Mm. followers from all over the world. But as you were saying there, going back to your question, Mm. what do I think of it? I, I used to post content that was unnecessary and very fluffy. It was simply for vanity metrics. There's one specific post I can remember where I was like, I haven't, I'm not earning six figures a month. I'm not, um, you know, I don't have an employee yet. Uh, These sort of listicles or lists of things that are very obvious, Mm. but that sort of post attracted other people who would resonate with the content. And that went viral. I think it got 2000 likes and Mm. it didn't lead, 
create any comments. No. Um, sorry, no, it didn't create any leads. It didn't generate any leads or clients. All it gave me was likes and impressions and followers. Oh, totally. And I had to take a step back there and go, why on earth am I spending three, four hours of my day engaging, writing content and sure. messaging people on this platform if it's not putting money in my bank account? Yeah. Took a step back yeah. and started writing to my target audience, writing to those yes. leaders and CEOs and actually having conversations with them about the pain points that they were struggling with. How were they communicating totally. that mission? So I, I went away. I worked out what my tone of voice was because I think I was very much finding complacency and comfort in a mm. you know a young voice who with, who's you know growing and building their business yeah and i realized that i actually had authority to prove for myself an authority yeah. in the personal branding and copywriting space we achieve great things for our clients mm -hmm. so i took a step back revisited my strategy and i came back and things changed. I started mm. seeing more calls yeah. booked, closing more business because I actually took the position that I had to. Well, it goes back to that purpose thing and, and the intention is, for me, it's about, I asked the question, is this adding value? Mm. You know, what is the purpose of this post? And don't get me wrong. Of course, now and again, you put a post out because you do want that bit of recognition. Or, but when it becomes a selfie and a post all the time for like a pat on the back, I think you almost get to a stage where some, some people would would they choose likes and comments over pounds? I think that you get so deluded with it mm. that you actually lose track. So taking that step back and for, and for someone so young, not that is about age, to have that kind of approach to it, even though you've got 58,000 followers, you're growing, you're in the midst of it and you're in that kind of zone. I think it's a, a very refreshing outlook. What I will add there, which might be a little bit controversial, is I do think that following, in some essence, is a currency. Now, I'll add that having a number of followers and a top voice badge, which I, which I recently got awarded mm -hmm. at the beginning of this year, it has given me a lot of opportunities that I don't think I would have had mm -hmm if I didn't have those and perhaps that's toxic in itself from the people who are making decisions but it's led to me being invited abroad for uh, keynote speaking events um, to VIP conferences that I would never Amazing. have been invited to. Sure I, I wouldn't say it's toxic but I think it's about I know people have got even bigger followers than us and I, I can't see their their purpose or their meaning mm. is that they are doing it for the followers well I think you are doing it to, for the followers to a certain extent of course we will do that but it's the outcomes behind that and the meaning and the purpose behind it I think that's the difference definitely and going back to that purpose conversation earlier I think I'm still discovering my purpose yeah. with the number of followers that I have I really want to make use of that to influence people in a positive way and a meaningful um, yeah. impact. Um, I'm still learning about what I want to do of my life, where I want to be in five years time. Mm. And I suppose what I'm doing is bringing people on that journey with me. Going back to the money thing, there's people listening to this going to go, yeah, whatever, come <laughs> on. You know, if, if you were uh, a millionaire tomorrow, you take that tomorrow. I don't, I don't believe this shit about purpose over profit. What would you say to those sort of people? So there is a conversation I had at the beginning of this week of, can you be purpose-driven and profit-driven? And actually, I think you can. Ultimately, for a business to be successful, mm -hmm. there needs to be money in the bank account. Customers are yeah, king. Um, we've got to pay the bills, pay the team, pay X, Y, Z. 
But underlying that money coming into the bank account, the decisions that you make as a business owner need to have values upheld mm. um, upheld against them. Mm -hmm. So the values and beliefs that you have, they need to be supporting the mission of your business or organization. Yeah. I think it's possible to have both, definitely. Um, businesses that are solely purpose-driven can sometimes run the risk of turning into a, you know, a non-profit. Like a crusade a, almost. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Or a yeah. charity or these sort of things. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. that's a whole different conversation of there are so many social enterprises nowadays um, in the last five years or so since um, we've got a cost of living crisis, the pandemic, a lot of mm. private businesses are standing up to the government now and offering that gap in the market for young people, for health, for education. Yeah. So social media versus reality, um, I want to get your view on that. And I want to get your view on, do you feel that you, it's not a leading question or loaded question, do you feel that you portray yourself and act and behave in the same way you do online as offline? I would say 95% yes. And I'm, I'm being honest with you there. I'm being authentic with you there, Chris. Yeah. I think one of the best compliments that I've received from being on LinkedIn for the last two years is, Izzy, you are one of the most authentic people that I've met. I'm very honest with the mistakes that I make. Mm -hmm. I've been honest throughout my journey of the failures, the F-ups. Mm -hmm. um, but equally, I feel like that you don't need to show 100% of everything. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a 22-year-old. I traveled Asia at the beginning of the year, and I very much wanted to show yeah. that it's not just beach clubs, sunshine, surfing. Absolutely right. Um, you know, I got stopped stopped by the mafia twice in oh, two wow. different countries um, just 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 happened um, <laughs> you know we we had to pay off some money I've had delayed flights I had immigration problems I was stuck mm. in a country illegally for five days I shared that with LinkedIn because yeah. I wanted to prove to people that just because someone's a digital nomad doesn't mean that they're living the life of luxury mm. and I've, I've tried that with my LinkedIn account in all aspects it's a real fine balance though isn't it I think sometimes certainly from my personal experience about being authentic being open and you know showing yourself warts and all but also having the confidence to do mm. that and for fear of not being judged and I'm sure you've had good days and bad days and weeks and months where you can you, you pretty much have the confidence to post anything sometimes I've had situations where I thought about posting it, posting it, deleting it. I'm kind of like, I, I get sucked into what people think. And it is, it, is, it can be a difficult mm. realm sometimes, can't it? What do you think? I was that person who would delete a post if it only got five likes in about right. half an hour. I right. was that person and I'll hold my hands up and say that. But I think once I changed my strategy, aligned it with the purpose, okay. aligned it with the realistic mm. goals that I had for being on LinkedIn, yes. I stopped caring so much. Right. I started to make sure that everything that was going up had a message conveyed that I wanted. Because you intrinsically know it's this, this, you mean, you want this, you mean this, that there's a meaning behind it. And it's almost, I don't necessarily care what people think that mm. I'm doing this because it's aligned to my values exactly i had a call with someone yesterday who said izzy i'm too afraid to put this on linkedin even though it's going to support our business launching and i said to them that is ultimate people pleasing yeah you have to realize on linkedin there's what eight nine hundred million people in yeah. there you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea the sooner you realize that the better mm. i know that there's posts that i've put up over the last two weeks where i've had someone in the dms going you're wrong right. how, like how dare you put that up like you're painting us all with the same brush you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea chris i just on that point you're right i mean you can't you can't 
please everybody. I mean, I had a post that went super viral. I'm talking 21 million views, wow. 300,000 likes, and 4,000 reshares, 10,000 comments. Like, oh my God. I, I think I, I gained about 18,000 followers from mm. that one post. And it was one of those before and after ones. It was a positive story. This is me before. This is me now. Mm. But even that, there was 5% of people that were literally horrifically direct and bad and bullying and trolling to me. And this was like, it's almost like you just can't, I think my mentality is that there's always going to be people attacking See, you. that's a really healthy mentality to have. But mm. unfortunately, a lot of people who haven't, who are only just starting to build their brands now or or on the, the door, perhaps on the fence yeah. about, oh, should I make one or not? And they're scared of those trolls. They're scared to put themselves out there. Mm. And I think when you wish to build your brand online, that's something you have to face. Now, I had yeah. a similar thing. Um, last year, I posted about my burnout. Um, right. And I, I do regret posting that. I posted do last you? February. You regret it? In some ways, yeah. So essentially the post was, um, I'm not looking after myself. I'm going to bed with my laptop under my pillow every night. I'm waking up to my laptop. Haven't left the house in four days, working, you know, 20 hour days. I'm burnt out. And, you know, uh, this is me basically crying out for help. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know so many people on the platform were going through the exact same thing. People in my business network, they were working too much, not looking after themselves. I put a post up. And I was very much in the early days of my account. So I didn't really understand that that could have damaged my reputation. It got 2 million views, um, wow. not quite 20 million, well, you know, but um, still, a, still a viral <laughs> yeah, post. Yeah. And over the next few days, I had clients, prospects, people messaging, hope you're okay, Izzy. Mm. But also what I realized was all of the leads and prospects I'd been nurturing over the last few months through my content beforehand yeah. Yeah. had seen... This was basically a cry for help. Izzy is not reliable to work with. Wow, right. Um, of course. And I think that is the line there of authenticity and vulnerability. It's difficult because going back to my post, um, I didn't get one lead or any business from it at all. Well, I've, I've done other posts where I get 30 likes and get loads of business. Mm. But I think you're right. So we, we're talking about the kind of, we're in the realm of the crying CEO post. I'm sure you saw that with a guy. Mm, yeah. So it's like, but I, I think that, I'm a, I'm a business coach and kind of life coach as well. And I, I do post quite a lot about my vulnerability and my suicide attempts, all this kind of stuff. And mm. it is like, it's almost like, am I, are we committing career suicide for mm. one of a better term? Um, you can't use that term in, in that context. So, but I feel that people are going to judge you whether, whether you're authentic or not. And it's, it's very difficult not to get sucked into that. So my view is, um, it's about, for me, it's about being myself. If I'm, if someone asks me how I am, I wouldn't say, yeah, I'm fine. If, if I'm not fine, I'll mm. tell them. And if, if, if I'm having a day where I'm not feeling too great, I don't, I don't want to post every single time, but I think it's about just about being real. Mm. And if, if, if that post, you're talking about burnout, that's you, it doesn't make you a bad LinkedIn influencer or someone who shouldn't be trusted. It makes you a human being. Exactly. And I think perhaps the, the reaction that I got made me regret it. But also mm. what it did do, which was quite powerful, was start a conversation. Right. A lot of people were realizing, oh my God, I'm doing the exact same thing. I'm staying up till 4 a.m. creating content. I didn't quit my job, resign from my job to become a freelancer or a That's business so owner to be staying up all hours of the night to create content for X amount of pounds a month. You often find that the people that are throwing the stones are the ones that... Um, aren't aware that actually is happening to them mm. it's done to them they wouldn't admit it but it's difficult right and but the thing is you can't i, I think on linkedin you can't just be about business you've got to, you've got to be yourself on on the personal branding thing um 
I think there's a stigma around even the words personal yeah, branding, definitely. isn't there? What do you think? I completely agree. And I sat down with someone recently and said, let's find another word for another term, personal branding. And yeah. nothing really clicked. Yeah. You know, there's like digital reputation and, um, you know, career portfolio, all of these things. But I think personal branding is here to stay, the word. It is a buzzword. Yeah. But also so is everything else that has come in waves and trends recently. Mm. Um, yeah. I think that it is the perfect word to use i think that we just need to educate people and perhaps redefine yeah. what a personal brand means so to who is your target audience then is it is it um solopreneurs or is it businesses and also how how have you built your personal brand they've touched on it and if someone's got um concerns over personal brand what would you say what would you say to them okay so let's start with the first question and my target audience that's mm. ceos and founders in the impact-led space right so going back to the whole purpose conversation i was just working with every ceo and founder under the sun yeah, okay. talking to anyone and i realized oh this marketing agency i'm not really enjoying creating content for them um, our values don't seem to align and they're very much profit driven. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the next day I was having a conversation with someone who's combating, um, you know, a real problem that's going on in the world that's affecting us years to come and they're challenging some, some problem. Yeah. And I want to be involved in that impact. Perhaps I don't have the knowledge to create a business today to combat the problem myself, mm -hmm. but to be able to be part of something where that person is communicating their mission, that's really meaningful to me so yeah. that is how i found my niche of working with these people um so mm. many different sectors and industries now the next question there was how did i build my brand now i built my brand off a lot of mistakes chris um <laughs> started in 2021 i said you know signed up to the platform um very confused about what this place was because i wasn't connected to anyone in the creative space it was financial advisors accountants yeah pension uh, pension specialists posting blog posts and, um, you know, we're hiring announcements. That's all I thought LinkedIn was. Okay. And then I discovered a couple creators here. Um, you know, there was emojis in people's names. And I went, oh my <laughs> God, how, how crazy is this? Yeah, yeah. Um, how wild. Um, <laughs> and I started posting and I started to gain traction. I think it's because not many people in the space perhaps were there yeah everyone right. was still on instagram and tiktok yeah so i started to build traction networked with a lot of people with business owners my age but also ages above yes um you know got on calls with people gave educational content or things that i had learned in the space mm -hmm. i had been a blogger on instagram for the last two years prior okay. to that yeah and then, yeah, I just built up from there, posted my fair share of fluffy content. One post was I just gone ice skating at Winter Wonderland, fell on my ass. Um, <laughs> and I made a LinkedIn post out of that, which is very cringe to look back on, but it's all part of the journey. Yes. Um, as I mentioned earlier, changed my strategy. Yes. Uh, very much took that more authoritative approach. I really wanted to defeat the idea of my age defining me in the right. personal branding space, yes. um, but also the marketing space full that stop. That was my next question about that whole okay. age thing. I, I, I had um, Catalina Valentino on my mm. podcast and um, she suffered quite a lot of abuse, I think purely because of her age. People wouldn't take her seriously, but I mean, she's probably achieved more than the people mm. put together in some context. What challenges have you had um, with, with the age thing? I haven't really publicly spoken about my age that much. I think perhaps my 21st birthday, I put up the typical like yeah. photo of the balloons. And I think last year, maybe last December, I said, um, as a 21-year-old, I 
enjoy doing this but equally I enjoy doing these things that many 21 year olds who are still at university don't particularly enjoy and I just gave a conversation about that now I am not 21 anymore I'm older than that but I've realized that I allowed my age to define the challenges rather than other people which might be different to what Catalina said okay um I allowed a stereotype or a perception of my age to take control and give me doubts for my career which might be quite um, you know it is self-sabotaging I thought I can't charge a lot of money in comparison to perhaps 30 40 year old marketing agencies because I didn't go to university and study this degree Mm. I can't sell myself in a room to this many people because I'm 10 years younger than than them Mm. I am not going to be taken seriously on LinkedIn because of my age talking yourself out of it 100% and I realized this perhaps came from previous job experiences I was the youngest there by a minimum of 10 years Mm -hmm. and I constantly allowed my age to be the reason why I wasn't achieving a promotion Mm. so for me the challenges I've receive of my age were because of that self-sabotage now heading into this year I've really broken that down um started going to therapy and I think as a result of that I've stopped letting my age define me the results Mm. that we achieve for clients the you know brand that I've built myself that's come through maturity and learning over oh you're a 22 year old so Mm. you're not going to be good at this job Mm. you mentioned therapy there and i'm sure you've listened to a few of my other podcasts i I do i do like to go quite deep and Mm -hmm. we talked quite a lot about business already Mm -hmm. we'll we'll come back to that but i'm sure the audience want to know more about the real you your journey your darkness the times where you felt really you know ill at ease with yourself and life and the world so talk to us about kind of your journey since school and 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 some of the dark times Mm, okay going straight into that Chris um interesting so this year in April I was very much in my self-growth era booked that one-way ticket to Asia traveled Asia for four months and in April um I spoke to a friend and she said I've I've got a therapist whilst I've been traveling um here's her email why don't you just have a call with her and I stepped um you know into a co-working space in the middle of the Philippines yeah and had a, a therapy, my first ever therapy session. Um, and ever since, every every week or every two weeks, I've been having therapy sessions breaking down perhaps um, any, you know, limiting beliefs and traumas that I had built over the years. Mm. Um, and very much have an open conversation with people that even though you might feel like your life is currently perfect or yeah. someone else is worse off than you, I think therapy is a great place to start discovering yourself. For context, in school, I was bullied, um, cyberbullied in year seven. um, And it very much held me back for perhaps the rest of my school years. Going into secondary school, I wanted to become a TV presenter. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be something creative, talking. I loved getting up at at the Christmas assembly and singing and talking and reading. And after that cyberbullying incident over several months in year seven, which we're going back to the age of 11, 12. Wow, it's very young to have um, that, isn't it? Yeah, Mm. definitely. I completely wiped out all ambitions that I had and all confidence. And I don't think that confidence really came back until I started my business at the age of 20 so how did it affect you because at that that age it's hard to kind of quantify it but now you're sort of older than that Mm, I think now that I've matured I've understood the behaviors that I had throughout my teen years so obviously I mentioned that I completely cancelled and refused to go forward with the dreams that I had Mm. and I 
you know, sometimes wonder what would life look like if I didn't have that or I didn't face bullying or I stood against that bullying. But obviously you can't ever look back in hindsight. No. Um, I think that I wouldn't have got myself in perhaps friendships and relationships where people would walk all over me. Mm. Um, I think that when you go through bullying, you do perhaps lose some self-respect for yourself. Yeah. You become a people pleaser yeah. and perhaps you get used to that idea of that perhaps is the way that people communicate love or com communicate many, mm. um, you know, friendship towards you. Yeah, you kind of get conditioned to believing that is you. How people are. That's your identity mm. and that's how people are. So the, the therapy helped, but were your parents around, friends around to help you or did you kind of have to deal with it on your own up until, you know, the therapy? Um, so my mum was very much my support throughout my years my yeah. parents got divorced when I was about eight months old so right. um, okay. very much had a single parent for majority if not all of my life mm. um, right. my mum is my best friend she actually helps me within my business she was the person that pushed me to start my business and quit my job um, she's always been there for me and helped me through these tough times how has um, the lack of a father figure affected your life so I um, chose to end the relationship with my father um, in my mid-teen years. Um, I think if we're carrying on this topic of self-respect mm. and growth, mm. I think I realised in my late teen years that friendships and family relationships that weren't serving me and creating more anxiety right. in my life, um, if if... Oh, sorry, I cannot frame the sentence. Okay. Um, yeah, for me, it's one of those where it's friends, families, lovers, partners. No one's um, out of the woods. If 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 they're not serving me, mm. they've got to. You've got to do something about that. Is mm. that what you're trying to say? Or yeah. So essentially, I think I was learning as I was maturing and going through this mm. healing era, this part of my life that was healing. I was learning that these people didn't deserve to be in my life and they were actually creating more bad in my life than it's good. It's very interesting what you're saying because I, I I don't think you would have learned that perspective and that healing and have the, had the courage to then sort of say to your father, I don't want to be part of your life anymore if you didn't go through the cyberbullying. I'm not saying mm. cyberbullying is a good thing, but in many respects it's a lesson that's taught you some great perspective. Mm. What do you think? Definitely. I think I read this somewhere in a book. I cannot remember, so I'm not going to give context, but um, <laughs> apparently in life, you're either the bully or the bully, bully's victim. Mm. And um, I think that being that victim of these young girls who perhaps had their own insecurities taught yeah. me that, it taught me compassion, I will actually add, because right. okay. ending this relationship with my dad, I realized that there are imp imperfections in this person yeah. that um, in a similar way the, the girls had um yeah there are insecurities and perhaps worries in a person that makes them who they are the actions and behaviors they have it feels like at the time it was impossible not to take that personally but as you've matured you've realized that if anyone attacks you now it's not actually a personal mm. thing against you it's almost a reflection of, of themselves but it's hard to hard to do that in that moment yeah. isn't it <laughs> it's definitely the struggle of being so self-aware I, I yeah. think my therapist says this to me I am too self-aware for my own good sometimes mm -hmm. um which means that I tend to go down the logic route rather than facing the emotions and embracing and accepting something 
So talk to us about that, and because you know, I th- I always talk I talk about leadership quite a lot, um, and, and say that emotional intelligence is one of the most important things, as opposed to IQ. Obviously, being uh, qualified and having going to university, all that kind of stuff, people have that route, and that's fine. But I think that emotional regulation, dealing with emotions, and feeling things like guilt, shame, anger. Mm. When I started to embrace those feelings, my life started to change, and I did start to live my life what's your view on sort of tapping into those really dark emotions and you know that kind of side of things those dark emotions of guilt and shame and anxiety really hit my life perhaps around 16 to 19 years old Mm -hmm. I had struggled through quite a lot of friendships with my friend we were um, friendship group we were a group of nine girls and an all girls secondary school where obviously uh, chaos is meant uh, going to happen but uh, also yeah. in the period of when you get your first boyfriend um, going to college and yeah. you know involving and meeting all these different people learning to drive learning to drive was probably one of the hardest points in my going into my adulthood life and that's not come from a area of inadequacy or you're rubbish at driving is he that came from a you're never going to be good enough and it's quite interesting because I'm going to pin this action this milestone in everyone's life it is a milestone in many people's lives as the place that revealed to me that I needed help I went through several driving instructors, which sometimes I can be embarrassed to say like, oh yeah, I went through four driving no, instructors. I, I passed on my fourth attempt, so you, you're not, you're yeah, not alone. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, beyond the, you know, steering and all of that, getting inside a car, I found really uncomfortable and there was like a, a voice sitting on my shoulder saying, you're not going to ever be good enough to do this. Right. And... I actually had to go to hypnotherapy to deal with this. Um, Is that voice completely gone in general? Probably not. Do you think it ever will go away? I think it will shrink and the voice perhaps on this shoulder or the voice in my head Mm. will echo, will shout above it, will be the louder voice. I think it's always going to be there. The same way with these seven, eight, nine figure CEOs, they always have imposter syndrome at some point in their journey. But I think that voice really was prominent in those years and going into my business I had to really go and you know flick it off and mm. and really say no to it it's almost like um I, I've done some posts this week about fear and um actually my post today was about mm. fear being people bang on about fear being a negative thing but actually if you embrace it easier said than done it can mm. actually be the fuel and I think I get that voice as well the negative it was almost like it's almost like almost befriending it and going, I know you're there. Sometimes that voice can actually be a voice of reason in a way mm. because, I don't know, ha- have you had a moment in, in your life where, because you've, you've gone through success, 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 where you've almost got too cocky or too or too complacent and that voice has helped you? Or, or give, give us some examples where that kind of stuff's happened to you. I think I started my business out of fear. Right. Um, I was working at an accountancy firm. Um, I had the opportunity for a promotion. I had just come out of the pandemic, so everything was pretty safe. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in a finance uh, industry, accounts industry, during the pandemic, it was a safe, secure company. But yeah. um, I was scared because I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't fulfilling the person that I was and the skill set and talent that I had as an individual. Mm-hmm. I had just left a three and a half year relationship mm-hmm. from, you know, my first boyfriend, my first. Did you um, leave him? Or? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that that came from fear as well. Um, Talk to us about that. 
oh, I'm not sure if I want to. Um, okay. But going on the fear conversation, I think a lot of actions that I made at the end of the pandemic, um, ending a relationship, starting a business, I even started going to the gym, which I think in a young girl's life, um, mm. if that's not something that you're normalized to, yeah. entering a gym full of men and boys yeah. can be quite intimidating. Of course. And I decided to embrace all of this discomfort, registering a business on company's house, all of these things. I embraced the discomfort there and went forward mm. with it because I knew that I wasn't fulfilling what I set out to, to be. Yeah, I, I, I was going to talk to you about relationships. Um, I, I asked all my guests about relationships. For me, what happened to me when I was kind of abandoned, a bit like you, I had a single parent. Kind of, it did it did affect my relationships, my ability to trust myself and or trust the other person, all that kind of stuff. So, in general terms, rather than being specific, then mm. perhaps how has how has your previous traumas affected your relationships? Would you say? I think that the relationship that I had with my parents when I was younger definitely determined what my relationships did and continue to look like mm -hmm. um i think also that the communication skills that i've built up since leaving my job has bled into the relationships i have with friends and you know lovers and partners yeah. um and i'm really proud of that healing stage that i went through because perhaps izzy before would be insecure the attachment style would mm. be insecure 100 percent mm. um there was a lack of trust because the relationship I had with my father bled straight into the relationships I had with of boys. Um, mm. And going through that stage of discovering my identity, feeling secure within myself, embracing who I was and putting me at the center of my universe, that led to healthy relationships where yeah. communication was there, intimacy was there, sure. and sort of hope was there also. Because that word healing, I mean, it's, mm. it's, I think we're all still healing, aren't we? But just give us some more context around your healing journey then. You say you put yourself first, mm. but what, what have you done? To I will jump straight in there and say at the beginning of 2023, my two of my best friends went traveling in Asia and they gave me their flat to live in for three months just to house sit. Um, really beautiful hat, flat, yes. really beautiful flat, yeah. not a hat. Um, <laughs> and I, I was loving it, um, that freedom, that independence. And only a few months later, I was going to be traveling myself. Yeah. And what happened there was business got really busy. Um, I was having about five to 10 calls a day, which is ridiculous. Um, I wasn't eating. I was perhaps living off caffeine and got in a very unhealthy habit of nicotine. Right. Um, I lost a lot of weight significantly, but other days, perhaps at the weekend, I would binge on sugar. Mm -hmm. I stopped going to rugby training, wow. which was something that I felt really passionate about. I stopped going to the gym with my best friend mm. and I hated getting out of bed. I think 11 o'clock in the morning, I'd get out of bed for my first meeting. And although the business was thriving and everything was delegated and being done amazing, yeah, I struggled. I really struggled. And only until I got on that plane to Asia mm -hmm. did I realize that that was depression absolutely um and I was really scared of that word because I was like in denial no that's not me I've always been happy um mm. and I think two weeks into my travels it, it it took till then to really settle in the first few days I wouldn't talk to anyone I was so scared to walk up to someone and be like hi my, my name's Izzy what are you doing yeah. I'm in a foreign country in another continent 9,000 miles from home but I met a group of people who had similar beliefs, similar values to me. 
and I went and spent a week with them and talk about spoke about everything sure. um struggles doubts um our lives the families that we had mm. the struggles they're facing in business but also just in their mm. jobs and I think that unlocked something in me and made me realize that who I am as a person, I am drawn to meaningful conversations. Mm -hmm. That is perhaps a way that I heal. Yes. That's a way that I learn to reflect inward yes. and focus on perhaps the uh, struggles that I have as an individual, the doubts that I have, the limiting mm -hmm. beliefs. And I really worked hard with uh, a friend of mine to reframe these limiting beliefs into yeah empowering thoughts and affirmations and although it's very cliche and a lot of people talk about it mm. turning those limiting thoughts and experiences I had from the age of perhaps six onwards up until today sure. um I I relearned myself yeah. rediscovered Izzy's actually a really limitless person mm. and that word limitless became my key word throughout all of my traveling it's almost a, a rewiring of mm. yourself isn't it kind of undoing and then rewiring yourself and I think that um, depression is a word that there's a big taboo about it but I think it's very very common mm. and I think you've articulated it very well and people will resonate with that just on that point you know I think people who are suffering from depression and it's never a one-size-fits-all answer, just to caveat it. But what what general steer, guidance or advice would you give anyone who might be suffering that kind of thing at the moment? I think it's really difficult to give a piece of advice on that because everyone's journey is obviously different, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously one of the first things you say is to speak to people. But often that is really difficult. That is the hardest part of Absolutely. going to someone and saying, hey, I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. um, there are a couple of things that I really found helpful, which was tapping back into what gives me structure in my day. So whether yeah. that's setting an alarm at half six in the morning, going to the gym with my friend or making a bar of oats before my Absolutely. first meeting, putting structure back into my day made me feel human again, mm -hmm. rather than, you know, um, an enigma. Uh, That's you know, really sound. It's almost like going back to basics and having some small mm, wins. Some small wins. Definitely small wins. But also um, something that I still keep up today is journaling. Yeah. When, in a time of stress and overwhelm, I make sure that those thoughts of mine are put onto paper. Or, or even uh, there's an app called Journify where you okay. can speak your thoughts. Often... Uh, being neurodivergent and everything, mm -hmm. I speak way too quickly um, or think too quickly to, for my pen to follow right. and uh, get quite impatient with journaling. So that's a great app. Um, or just voice memos. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately, I think talking to people really does save lives. Mm -hmm. And I think it stops depression turning into something far greater. Um, but often... You know, you you can be hiding. I, I I hid it through all of my content. You look like there was Izzy. It looked like Izzy. There's a thriving business there. There's a happy smile on all those calls. Mm. I hid it all and I didn't tell anyone. And my friends had no idea. That's the th point. I think I've done a post or two and I've, I've seen your post about, you know, someone suffering from mental health challenges or depression. They, they could be the smiling one. They could be the happy one. They could be, it affects everyone. And what you see on social media is not mm. often the reality. And I think it's... It's about checking in with yourself, but I'm, 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 and other people. But I'm like you. I, I don't necessarily like the small talk, and I think sometimes um, social media can lead to just kind of like very surface level conversations. Mm. I'm not trying to be disparaging of social media; it's very, it's very important. It's very, it's a great thing, but building meaningful relationships and having that purpose, I think that um, 
I think again to reiterate that point, I think it's 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 so important. I'm so impressed with someone of of your age, not that it's about age, that <laughs> understands that. When when did you first kind of you might have already said so, but when did you first discover like actually meaning purpose is important to me? I think when I turned 18 and obviously you were able to drink alcohol and all <laughs> people my age started going clubbing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm from down south of England, so Brighton is the closest oh, right. place to, yeah. to go clubbing. Yeah. And I hated it. I hated it. The loud music, the drinks, the shots, everything. Um, And I think I told myself I loved it for a few years or uh, whatever. Um, But I realized that there's no conversation there. It's music and, Mm. you know, blasting music and Mm. lights. Mm. Um, And I really missed and I lacked that conversation Mm. over perhaps a bar or um, going for a walk. I think... I thrive off tranquility and fresh air and nature. I Mm. feel completely grounded. Mm -hmm. Um, But also Asia really reminded me that. And one thing I wrote at the end of my journal entry when I came home from the Philippines was regardless of me stopping traveling and coming back to the UK, I've learned that it's not the physical location that will provide you joy. It is the people that you surround yourself with. Absolutely. The meaningful conversations come from the people that you align your interests and beliefs with. And I know for a fact that that's possible in the UK. Sure. I just need to make sure that I find those people. I need to, obviously, as you mentioned there, the surface level conversation of social media. Mm. I think there's an opportunity to be able to learn learn people through social media yeah. and say, hey, you know, let, let's not talk over WhatsApp. Let's not voice note. Let's meet up yeah. in person. Let's go for a coffee or a co-working day or whatever it may be. Mm. I think as well, it goes back to kind of the whole materialistic thing. I mean, I used to be very materialistic. I used to have like Range Rovers and houses and all these bloody things and I lost it all and it actually done me favours because I'm not saying that I don't like nice things. I think everyone does, but experiences mm. are the most valuable thing I think you can have in terms of wealth you know there's mm. wealth to me isn't just about finances right i think that that four-month trip no matter how expensive it was um <laughs> they say asia is really cheap but when you're there for four and a half five yeah, months of course. uh that bank account screaming at you a little bit but um mm-hmm. i think perhaps my top three life moments of all time over these 22 years have mm-hmm. been from those four months wow. um I met my now partner there. I met some best friends from all over the world there. Mm-hmm. I found my confidence. I changed my life and I had full ch- control of that. That yeah, was yeah. a responsibility I gave myself leaving England in January. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was the best, you know, that was the best medicine, the most expensive therapy session that I've had, but yeah. the most rewarding and life-changing. And for that, yeah. I am entirely grateful. So, um you talked about that depression. Would you say that was your darkest moment or was there a rock bottom as well? Or I think there haven't been rock bottoms yet. I think there have been deep moments that have definitely been lessons for me over the last two years. So mm-hmm. I started the business in around May 2021. Yeah. Um, and I think there have been three core moments over those two and a half years where They've been huge lessons for me. Um, mm. Perhaps burnout should have delegated earlier. Um, yeah. Lack of purpose. Okay, I need to take a step back and look at the work I'm doing. And is this providing me, you know, yeah. purpose and fun in my life? Not just fun, but is it rewarding for me? Yeah. And then, um, you know, coming back from Asia, 
I think I realized that there is so much more to life than sitting in a co-working space all day. Mm. And uh, mm. I wanted to do more. And I'm working on that now. I'm There's yeah. more that I want to do. There's more than a personal branding agency that I have in mind. That's my next question. Um, what is the future looking like for you? Oh, great <laughs> question. And uh, I can't give a solid answer yet. I've been thinking a lot over the last few weeks of what the future looks like. Mm-hmm. Um as this conversation has gone on, I'm really someone who thrives off purpose and meaningful conversations. And I, I do envisage in the next few years, whether three or five years Mm. creating something, um, whether it's a community, a space, a event, whatever it may be, something that is consistent and repeating where people can come together and have those meaningful conversations. Because at the beginning of my business, I wish there was that, and perhaps I hadn't found it yet. But for me, that would be super rewarding. Mm -hmm. I don't want to earn money off it. I don't want to make it bigger than it has to be. But I want Mm -hmm. there to be that safe haven where people can go to. They don't even need a business. Um, I think it needs to become more than our occupational label of me being a founder, me being a leader or a C-suite exec. It's where people can go to and have those conversations. That's a really impactful answer because... If you ask that to many people, they'd be like, well, I want to, I want to get that promotion or I want to, and I'm not wronging or writing anyone, but I think, I think it's about what I'm getting from you is you, you want to have an impact on people's lives. You want to do something that's, that's going to leave a legacy without sound, but people think that, yeah, whatever, mate, no one's going to remember when you die. But I, I, I believe that, um, I've certainly believed now that, um, you can have purpose. You can have, you can have everything. You have the money, you have the purpose, you can have all of it. And I think that um, until you tap into that meaning and that purpose, it doesn't matter how much money you have or how much wealth or followers or whatever you have, I don't think you're ever going to be truly happy, actually. Mm. What do you think? No, I don't. I think for me, the freedom that money provides is more important than, as you mentioned earlier, like the cars, the houses, Mm. the watches, the jewelry Mm. coming away from my travels this year. I realized that I want to be able to be doing this for my life and, you know, my future family. That's that the experiences are these things. Um, ultimately like we're all social creatures. Uh, we, we crave materialism, Mm. but equally sometimes we need to look in ourselves and go, are we, wanting this because social media is showing this to us and it's called that keeping up with the joneses Mm. or do we want this because it actually is serving a purpose for us and serving some sort of result that we crave no absolutely so um what what makes you angry what pushes you off oh god (laughs) what makes me angry uh where do i start chris no i'm joking (laughs) um i think people who are lazy and i'm not saying that in a people who are just on their asses all day. I think mm. when there are people with talent, real talent right. and yeah. ideas in their head, um, and they're not going out there and achieving those goals. Yeah. They're not taking the step and going into that discomfort. And I think that might be really reflective and projecting of Izzy, who was working in a corporate job, sitting in an office, yeah. spending way too long in the kitchen, making a coffee because she hated her job. Yeah. I want people to be going out and doing what they need to do mm. and what they deserve to do than sitting and choosing the easy option. So just talk about that very quickly because we're coming to the end of it. I wish we had another couple of hours, actually. <laughs> 
you know, you didn't follow the archetypal route of going to university, right? Or, or, no. or going into the work. Well, mate, just talk to us about kind of from 16 onwards. How do you, Ooh. have you arrived to where you are? It's a zigzag road. Yeah. Um, wanted to study biology at university. Went and sat down at someone in my school library and they went, so why do you want to do biology? And I was like, oh, I don't actually know. I'd rather do politics. Went and did politics at A-level. Yeah. Um, actually, I really wanted to be a linguist, but I uh, threw that oh, off. Right. And then I uh, sat down in my college uh, tutor room and they said, let's do our, your personal statement, Izzy. And I went, I don't want to do it. <laughs> and I don't know what was what was saying that to me, whether it was that laziness that mm. I went back to, uh, I'd said a few moments ago, or it was something mm. inside of me going, university is not for me. A-levels and GCSEs completely wrecked my mental health. I was not naturally academic. I was right. hardworking academic. What do they affect your mental health, sorry? I would study for, I'd get home at 3.30, 4pm and be studying until 11pm and uh, then go to bed. Right. I was an intelligent person, but that came from hard work and not just, I know the answer. I, I, put, the, I put the effort in and it completely wrecked my mental health over those years because that's just what life was defined as. And the idea of doing that for three, four or more years, mm. that scared me. Um, but equally, I knew that there was more to me than perhaps a degree. I didn't like the academic route. Yeah. And I think I was a very creative individual and doing something right. sure. that I had control over and I had you know, a roadmap to work towards that, that yeah. lit a flame up inside me. Yeah. And I think that, that is the issue with the education system. I think we're almost, we're forced into conformity, aren't mm. we? I, I think it does stifle creativity. And I think that you're a shining example. You used the word, when I asked you who you are, you said a, a purpose-led entrepreneur. And people, I think and some people, entrepreneur at 22, it's right, <laughs> but how do you define entrepreneur? Because it's a, it's a well-used word now, right? Yes. Um, how would I define entrepreneur? I think it's, I think there is a difference between a business owner and entrepreneur. And I Absolutely. think a business owner is someone who that's their identity and that's their identity solely. So, um, mm. you know, they're running this business, going home to their kids, whatever it may be. Next day they wake up at 6am and they continue being the a business focus owner. The is that business, yeah. Whilst I think an entrepreneur has these core va values running through their veins when they wake up, when they go to sleep, there's always something bigger to be doing and achieving in the mm. workplace, in their business. Yeah. And I think that if they perhaps are an entrepreneur of multi um, multiple businesses, yes. these core values run, run amongst all. Mm. Um, and perhaps that entrepreneur has an underlying mission. Absolutely. And just kind of last couple of questions. Um, how important do you think values are in business and in life? And just give us a couple of your values as well. Ridiculously important. I think like if you look at a personal brand, every personal brand, um, every public persona that we see have values mm. and their content is written off these values yeah. um or should be should be definitely yeah. the honest ones the yeah. uh, authentic ones yeah. when you go to a networking event the reason you are drawn towards a particular individual is because of the values they are communicating through their body language their voice the mm. conversations they're having the way they introduce you to people mm. for me my values um i'm a very honest person and i will stand up for myself where yes. relevant um Perhaps those school years of being a pushover and people pleaser, they are far behind me because I've realized that I need to give myself the respect that I deserve before anyone else does. Sure. Um, other values? Well, you're really making me wreck my brain here, Chris, because usually <laughs> I should just spill out. But um, 
I really believe in integrity and mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know putting other people first. Mm. My if we tap into my purpose, I love helping people, changing one person in a small amount or changing people in uh, many ways. But um, to be able to give someone that handhold that I needed when I started a business, when sure. I was in school, when I was being bullied. I want to provide that to people on a friendship, family or business level. And I think that value will always run through me in life. That's, that's absolutely superb. Um, very, very powerful, very, very insightful, very impressive. Um, I know for a fact that you're, you know, you, there's so much ahead of you and what you could achieve is, <laughs> is, is astronomical, I think. But in, in terms of the current 16 to 20 year old person who wants to become an entrepreneur or, or is entering the, the social media realm or whatever what what kind of tips advice would you like to give i would say find a mentor um and i think that's quite a generic piece of advice there but um there will be a lot of mistakes that you make in the early days where you're overworking you are choosing the wrong decisions because perhaps money is there there's quick cash rather than long-term mm. investment um there is a, going to be someone whether it be five years ahead of you 10 years 20 years someone who's done the exact same thing of you yeah. as you but they've made mistakes and they can teach you that um but i'd say equally have some obsession towards what you're doing and that might be taken as mm. perhaps a toxic perception but when you believe in your mission and believe what you've got to do go forward with it but also mm. realize that that can change over over time this might be a bit of a left field question um because we, we you put a post out only yesterday and it, it was talking about suicide i'd mm. like to just ask you about that what was the the reason for posting that and what's what's your your thoughts on on that subject Hmm, interesting. So on social media, we see the International Women's Day. Here's the top 10 women you should be following. It's, right. uh, you know, Black Lives Matter. It's Black Lives Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. um, I don't see any conversations about suicide. Mm. And perhaps the algorithm might penalize you for that. Um, people are, feel uncomfortable about that conversation. How dare you bring that conversation on a professional mm. business network? Um, but it's something that affects every single one of us, whether it's ourselves where we've had thoughts yeah. or people in our families, people in our friend, friendship sure. groups and circles. Mm. Business is stressful. We are currently in a cost of living crisis. Um, lives are difficult and we've got the great resignation happening right now. There's so much going on in our lives with a, a lack of stability and it's very fragmented. Mm. I don't think there is a more important time to be having these conversations. Yeah. And although this month is um, of September is uh, Suicide Prevention Month, every sure. month should be a conversation here. I don't think I ever had that conversation in the workplace about stress mental health mm. depression suicide no conversation it was sweeped under a rug if you were yeah. feeling like shit yeah. sorry excuse my french um That's fine. Yeah, yeah. but if you felt in a if you felt uncomfortable in a bad way take it home that's yeah. that's personal totally totally i mean uh, i've lost three friends to suicide and i've talked about it quite a lot on on, on and I, I commend you for bringing that up and opening it up because um it, it takes it's going to take more people like you and i to keep doing mm. this because it, it it is becoming very very common and um how else are we going to tackle it other than 
tackling it. I think this com- there's so many conversations that are being sweeped under the rug these yeah. days. And yeah. perhaps that's because people are very self-centered uh, in their, yeah. you know, oh, my LinkedIn account has to only talk about my business because I need leads. If I talk about anything else, yes. that's taken away from my business. Yes, but I, I think agree. we have to realize that we are human beings and these conversations need to happen. And when you open a gate of that sort of conversation, like this one yesterday, you're demonstrating people that you're human and you Mm. understand the struggles of life. And that creates trust within people. And whatever the byproduct of that being, that trust. Why um, would you want to do business with people who who are against that anyway? mm, So true. (laughs) So true. I think there have been conversations where I've had a discovery call of someone very quickly they've revealed their true colors um and i've turned around and gone i'm unsure if this business relationship is compatible and that in the early days that felt quite scary to say because that's money you're throwing away yeah but ultimately if you have values and you want to uphold them Mm. why should you be taking on people like that just quickly you mentioned about going into the gym full of men on that point Mm. what do you think men can do more of to help women and vice versa what do you think women could do more of to help men Mm, interesting. So are we being specific here in terms of that gym environment? No, not okay. in general. In general. So there are specific conversations in the workplace that we could be really having with men, um, but also for women. Yeah. So calling out sexism, for example, I worked in a workplace where the women were seen as whingers. They right. were nag- nagging. Um, they were the bossy boots. Yeah, if a man was like that, they'd never receive an insult or a a nickname or anything like Mm. that. And I think there really needs to be an overall there of this is what a manager looks like regardless of gender. Absolutely. And I think I walked away from that job going, I can't speak up for myself or be assertive because I'm going to be a nagger. I'm going to be called a bitch. Mm. Um, And it put a little bit of fear in me of can women not stand up for themselves? And and that's across relationships here. Sure. Um, I think women are seen as the more emotional uh, creatures. Um, And I think that we have to embrace that. We have to embrace the fact that perhaps we are more emotional. Um, But why is that a negative? Exactly, exactly. And I think for me, I'm a lot more compassionate, empathetic person than perhaps uh, if you take my brother, for example, mm. um, and I thrive off that. That helps me be a better business owner, a better manager, a better friend, a better girlfriend, all yes, of these of things. Course, of course. I love the fact that I'm empathetic and I mm. used to hate it. I'd mm. say I'm too sensitive. Um, I'm never going to be good enough for X, Y, Z, yeah. because I'm too emotional. Mm. But nowadays... I see it as it helps me, especially in business, personal branding. I'm able to encapsulate someone's tone of voice so much better because I actually can put my feet in their shoes. Yeah. And that's something to, uh, you know, embrace and accept. Absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, just before we go very, very quickly, it's a silly question really, but where can where's the best place for people to find you? Um, on LinkedIn, Izzy Pryor. Um, I'm also starting to post on Instagram again, which is uh, Izzy Pryor Talks. That's the handle. Thank you, Chris. I absolutely love this conversation. And uh, yeah. Thank you. Proud to have you on the show.